Welcome everyone to the Side Beyond Side podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am Mike Brown, your health and wellness coach. And as always, I would like to take some time to thank you all for choosing to spend the next few minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to the Site Beyond Site podcast. And for that, I am very, very grateful. And with that being said, let's create some freshwater moments. So all you freshwater warriors, I want to jump right into this. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this third season, man, I'm telling you, this third season is about to be fire. Because that's the situation that we're in right now. Things are burning up. The coals are being stoked and they are on fire. They're blazing, burning a path of destruction burning a path of confusion, burning a path of, of dissension amongst us. And like I said before in the last episode, there is a time to sit back and remain idle and listen, and there's a time to open up your mouth and let's move forward taking action. And that's where we're at right now. We have to begin to take action and we have to take serious action, but we cannot be reckless in the steps that we're taking. We have to take calculated steps in order to promote change. And as I was thinking about the episode of promoting change and what that could look like and the difficulties that you face while promoting some type of change, I was thinking about what are we lacking? Why are we so afraid of change? Why are we so afraid to step outside of our comfort zone? Why are we stuck in our own line of thinking? It's easy to see things from your own perspective. It's difficult to listen to another perspective and say, you know what, maybe they might be right. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I wasn't seeing the full picture. Maybe this little bit of information that I gained from this conversation is valid. And maybe I need to apply this to my life. We have a hard time being, in quote, wrong on things. Which is crazy because we always want to be right and we know that that's impossible. We can't always be right. And for some reason, we think that the more letters that someone has be behind their names, uh, the more educated they are, which eh, there is some fact to that. But we think that they cannot be wrong. We think that everything they say is correct. Everything they say is the right thing. And so we don't even break down half of the things that's coming out of their mouths because we look at the letters behind their names. And then they start to believe that they can say no wrong or do no wrong. And then that's how you get these attitudes. That's how you get the arrogance. That's how you get the pompous uh, attitudes running around here. Thinking that they're better than everyone. Thinking that everyone needs to bow down to them. That's how we get those attitudes. Because we are the ones who did it. We're the ones feeding their heads with, man, you can do no wrong. You cannot say anything 
wrong. You are just right on everything. And you're so educated on this that you can't be wrong. And we have to stop that attitude amongst ourselves. We're flawed. We are inherently flawed. So that means that it's impossible for any of us to be right all the time. Now, men, if you're married or you're in a relationship, don't go telling your wives I said this, all right? I don't want them coming after me, (laughs) all right? I don't want you guys getting a big chest and just spewing this stuff to them recklessly saying, you know what? I was listening to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast and Mike said that everybody is flawed and no one could be right all the time. So I just wanted to give you that information so you were aware that you're not always right. I don't want you bringing that back to me, all right? (laughs) So we know this information is true. We know that's true. But sometimes, remember when I said just a few minutes ago, sometimes there is a time to remain silent and just listen. That would be a time to remain silent. So don't go telling your wives or your, your girlfriend that you've been in a relationship with that it's impossible. It's totally impossible for her to be right all the time. Don't do that. And I'm saying that to protect you, but also for my self-preservation as well. But there are times where we just have to, we, we have to take action. And that's where we're at. So like I said, I was thinking about what is stopping us from promoting lasting change. And I think I figured it out. I'm not saying I'm the one that figured out. Maybe other people have figured this thing out, but I wanted to bring a different perspective to you guys. And the only thing, the only logical thing I could think of as to why we have not changed or evolved as people, as a culture, um, is because we lack one thing. One thing could change all of this for us. And if you think back to the second season, the episode, the race on uh, the race against racism, I spoke on it. I spoke on the one thing that we're missing and the one thing that needs to happen for us to end racism is right before our eyes. It seems so easy to do, but it's one of the most difficult things to do. Not a lot of people are doing this. Not a lot of people uh, understand what it truly means to do this. A lot of people have a skewed definition of it. but it is the one thing that is missing. And this is gonna lead to another discussion because it's gonna lead to um, a topic on mental health, all right? Uh, But we'll touch on that loosely here, but we'll go into detail in the next episode after this. So they're gonna run right into each other and it's gonna be some valuable information that you can uh, hold on and take for yourself. We are missing 
empathy in our lives. A lot of people don't know how to demonstrate empathy. A lot of people are unaware of what it truly means to be empathetic. And there are some people that are just not capable of being empathetic. And it may be because they've never been around it. They've never experienced experienced empathy themselves. Maybe they are just too selfish to th- even think about the possibility of be- being an empathetic person. But whatever the reason, it is something that we're lacking worldwide. We don't have enough empathetic people running around these streets anymore. And I think a lot of that comes from the uh, the environment that we're living in. Things have changed so rapidly. Things have become me-oriented. And when you look at the world, you know, everyone else around the world, most of the, um, most of the population, they're all about doing for others and the family oriented. And I'm just talking about, uh, the economics, the economic situation, the, the economic system, the setup is, um, set up for the family and to do for others where we live in a capitalistic mentality, a capitalistic environment where it's, Hey, I'm gonna get mine and I'm gonna get the maximum out of it. And I'm gonna do for myself. And as long as me and my family are taken care of, I'm good. I don't, if I choose to give someone something, I can do that. If I choose to keep it all for myself, I can do that too. It doesn't matter. I worked for it as mine, which is fine. That's fine. But not a lot of people, um, that doesn't breed a lot of empathetic people. It breeds a, a, a selfishness that becomes the norm. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. And if I can't get yours, I'm going to tap into my resources and uh, try to figure out a way to make it mine. That's the world that we are living in. And it's kind of, not kind of, but it, it, where our world, the capitalistic mentality mentality used to be uh, a rarity. It used to be you know, something that not everybody was doing. Now it's becoming more and more the norm worldwide. And the capitalistic mentality can breed, can breed, okay? It can breed a selfish mentality that is lacking empathy. Because it's easy to get sucked into that. I have to do whatever it takes for me to get to where I need to be so I can provide for myself in abundance and also provide for my family. We are lacking empathy. We're lacking empathy because we always want to be right. We are lacking empathy because we always want to be right. And if someone's going through something that does not go or does not align with my perspective, 
then I don't think that's a possibility. And I don't understand how they could possibly be going through something like that. Our environment has become so selfish and absorbed that we forget these little uh, speckles of humanity that we have been exposed to that's really instilled in us, but it's been forgotten. Empathy, <laughs> empathy. And I don't want you to be confused. Some people think they're empathetic because they are sympathetic and that's just not the case. That's far from the case. Sympathy is really easy. And sympathy, if you use it enough, you, you, you can trick yourself into thinking that you're empathetic. You know where you see the most sympathy? Is when you sign a card. Someone lost a loved one and you sign a card and maybe you're at work, you work with someone that lost someone and then, you know, the, the, the nice cultural thing to do is to get them a little something, get them a card and everybody signs it to show that they care. So what's usually written on it? Hey, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. Hey, I hope you get better. Get better. Things like that. Sympathy is just simply saying I'm sorry. <laughs> That's easy to do. I hear that every day, 50 times a day. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you know what? 80% of the time, the person didn't even mean it. And then when you call them out on it, they say, well, I said sorry, I apologize. That should be good enough. And then what do we do? We go through the whole spiel. How would you feel if you were in their shoes? And what's the response most of the time? I wouldn't care. Well, they say they wouldn't care because they don't care right now at that moment. But I have a nagging suspicion that if they, if the roles were reversed, that they would care. Because now they're on the bad end, the short end of the stick. Now they're the one that's feeling the pain of what Ever the situation is. But in the heat of the battle, they don't want to admit that because they could care less at that time. And that's why you get those answers. I don't care. That's why we got to start asking the right questions and saying the right things and wording them uh, the correct way in order to get the response of how people truly feel. And we have to have an understanding of um, what people give us. Sometimes people say they don't care and they really don't mean it, but some people say they don't care and they really do mean it. And we have to stop making them uh, feel like they care. We have to stop forcing them to say what we want them to hear and then thinking that we resolve the problem. So once again, I'll go back to the schools. A lot of times I'll hear that someone was getting mistreated, someone's crying, they come to me, trying to figure out the situation, ask them those questions, blah, 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 blah. How would you feel if you were in their shoes? They say, I don't care, I wouldn't care, it doesn't matter to me, I wouldn't cry over that. That type of stuff doesn't bother me. 
All right. So maybe the first time you're taken back. And this is the key of building relationships. You have to build these relationships. Then you can understand who you're talking to. Then you'll be able to decipher if, you know, the child is simply saying they don't care because they truly don't care or they don't care because at that time they don't even want to discuss it. They're just trying to go back to class. But really they do care. But that's the value of having these relationships. And so I could sit there and beat a dead horse knowing that this person truly doesn't care and uh, making them say sorry. I can have them write out an apology. I can have them miss out on something, give them a consequence for that. But that is not going to make them care. What that does is make me feel like I did something. It makes me feel like I resolved the problems, but really I just skimmed the top of the surface. I didn't dig down into the, the foundation so I could promote change in this kid. I know I just talked in a big circle, so hopefully uh, uh, some of that makes sense. <laughs> you know, because sometimes I can just get going, but we spend so much time trying to force someone to feel a certain way and to respond in a certain way that seems empathetic so we can feel like we did something. We can feel like we were productive in that conversation. We can walk away from that conversation feeling like we accomplished a lot. We made them give out a fake apology and we made them write out a fake letter apologizing for what they did when we know darn well that they didn't care about what happened, they don't feel bad about it, and then we go on about our business. And then we start to say that that person was able to be empathetic in that moment because they gave out the fake apology and whatever. But that's not the case. What they were doing was being compliant. <laughs> they were barely on the edge of being sympathetic. They were being compliant to the person in power at that moment. So they didn't have to deal with it anymore. We lack empathy. We like empathy because we don't want to take the time to build these relationships. That's an excuse that we always have. Well, I don't have time to build these relationships. I'm so swamped with everything else. I don't have time to ask questions about how they're feeling or what they're doing. They just need to do what I'm saying. They just need to follow instructions and they better not disobey any of my orders. That's how we operate. In an authoritarian type of manner. A dictator. especially when it's an adult and a, a younger student. These kids are going to school and they're experience, experiencing a dictatorship because we make the excuses that we don't have time to hear what they have to say. We have other pressing issues to worry about instead of building these relationships. 
and this isn't just in um, the school system. I mean, I'll say it like this. I will say it like this. If you are in a field of service of any kind, then you better make it your business and you better make time to build these relationships. It's going to make you keep a lot of your hair. A lot of your hair won't turn gray. You won't lose a lot of hair. Trust me, take the time to build these relationships. You better make time because if you don't, you're just going to be beating a dead horse over and over and over again. And then you will have to be forced to look in the mirror. But what do we say is the hardest thing to do? The hardest thing to do is to look in the mirror. Then when it comes time for you to look in the mirror, instead of looking in the mirror, you look away from the mirror and you point the finger back at whoever is in front of you. Because you could not possibly be a part of this problem. You have done everything you can to build these relationships and they just don't want it. You have done everything you can to repair these broken relationships, but they just refuse to listen to you. This is what we're facing. And we're back to the same thing, that mirror again. Oh, that dreaded mirror. Who would have thought that seeing your own reflection would be so tough? It would be the toughest thing to do on this earth. Who would have thought that with so many vain people walking around, <laughs> so many selfish people walking around, you would think that would be so easy. But yes, it is easy when you put on all your makeup and your hair is done or when you go to the barber shop and you get a nice fresh cut, you got on a nice fresh polo, you got your all white kicks on and they you're looking fly. You're looking fly because you're looking at a, a, a phony, a phony reflection of yourself. Because I'm not looking deep into my soul, deep into my spirit. I'm not taking a true assessment of what's inside. I'm just looking at the reflection. I'm looking at the uh, the outside uh, appearance, you know. I'm looking at that as part of my reflection. I ain't looking inside. That's easy to do. I, I'm looking at it like, man, I look sharp. I look good. Man, there's no one who can say I don't look good right now. I got my lineup. Well, I don't have a lineup. I don't have hair. <laughs> but my bald head is looking shiny. It's clean. I mean, it's slick. My goatee looks nice. My beard is trimmed up. It's faded up. It looks real good. Man, I look sharp. And that's what we're doing. That's what a lot of us are doing. We're just looking at the outward appearance. We're not taking a true assessment of what that reflection is telling us. Because heaven forbid we be part of the problem. Heaven forbid that we have to change anything. Heaven forbid that we have to admit that maybe we did something wrong and we got to make amends Heaven forbid we blame ourselves and not someone else. And last but not least, heaven forbid we actually have to change something about ourselves and it's not everyone else around us. People, we like empathy because we will not look in that mirror.
You build empathy by your experiences. You build empathy by taking the time to listen. You build empathy by looking at the world around you and understanding that there are so many perspectives out there that, you know what, there may be people going through the same thing that you've gone through, but yet their story is still going to have a little difference in it. We have to go around understanding that this life isn't just about me. This life isn't just about me. That's how you build empathy. You have to just care enough. You have to care enough to act interested in what someone is talking about. And then after that, you have to care enough to listen. Talking over someone and empathy doesn't go hand in hand. You can't do both. Saying, I know, I know, I know. Yep, I understand, I understand. While someone's spilling their guts to you. Cutting them off and tell them, telling them your experiences so they can't even finish their thought. That's not empathy. That's not listening either. That's just being plain rude. You have to begin to listen. You have to act interested. You have to act like you care about what that person is going through and what they are saying. And here's a here's another, I'm gonna throw another curveball at you. People often think that in order to be empathetic, you have to have the same experiences as the person that's talking to you. And that is far from the truth. You don't have to experience the same thing to be empathetic. You have to be willing to listen and willing to care. And that's it. And then if you have gone through the same thing, then it makes it a little bit easier because now you're gonna have things that you can relate to. Now you're gonna have an insight about how you handled that situation. But that is not necessary to be empathetic. You don't have to have the same experiences to be empathetic. You simply have to care enough to listen. And after you decided that you care enough to listen, you have to really be an active listener, putting yourself in their shoes. Empathy is more than saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry you're going through that. I'm sorry you had to witness that. I'm sorry that you can't sleep at night. I'm sorry that you haven't been able to eat in three days now. All right, well, best of luck to you. Goodbye. That's what sympathy looks like. But in order to be empathetic, and I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over, you have to be you have to be a, a person that cares enough to listen and not just listen. You have to be an active listener. And while you're listening, you have to understand that they're coming from a perspective that may not align with yours. It may be something that you're unfamiliar with, but 
you have to be open to that perspective and put yourself in their shoes. This, my friends, is what we are missing in this world. The cool thing about empathy is this. You don't have to be in a long, committed relationship to feel empathy. You don't have to. Um, it doesn't take time to be empathetic. You don't have to. You can't. It's not like you only can be empathetic to those that you've been in a relationship with for five years, 10 years, or you've known them forever. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Maybe it's a little easier to come by because you have a have an established relationship but all that is required for you to be empathetic is to care enough to listen and as you're listening you're being an active listener and you are understanding that this is coming from a different perspective and that you care enough to put yourself in their shoes that's all it is but we get sidetracked because we don't even get to that point. Most of the time, we don't even care enough to listen. What do we see when we see someone that's homeless or someone that's down or struggling? We cast our our uh, opinions about them, and then we keep it moving. Sometimes we look at them in disgust as we're sitting, sitting there um, telling them in our heads, of course, how terrible they are and how they need to get a job. And then we go home and we talk about it with our loved ones on, guess what I saw today? I saw this, this bum panhandling asking me for money. He had the nerve to ask me for money. And I just said, no, no, thank you. Cause I didn't want to give it to him because I didn't want him to go buy alcohol with it. I don't know why he just doesn't get a job. That's what we usually go home and say, right? I mean, let's just get real with it. That's mostly of what we hear. Could you imagine how you can make someone's day or possibly impact their life, change their life for the better? Maybe you are the one that gives them that sense of hope or maybe that motivation to go on ahead and and go after their own dreams that they may have had that they felt were crushed and left for dead. You know how we could change this, this person's life just by, instead of uh, being so negative, making those assumptions, casting your opinions out there, calling them names, trying to figure out what they're gonna do with the money, your money that you work so hard for, what if we instead we had a uh, conversation with them, just a regular conversation, a conversation where we asked, hey, man, how are you doing today? And then we listen. We listen. You know, I've had talks with uh, a lot of people that were living on the streets that were homeless and you would not believe some of the backgrounds that they are coming from. And I'm going to tell you, I, it's not like I've talked to hundreds or thousands of people, but I've talked to enough where it's unreal because 
half of them that I've talked to were ex-military and then the other half were ex-educators. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Teachers. Homeless. Ex-professors at universities. Ex-military. Out on the streets. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I know there's a select few that would rather be on the, out on the street because that's the lifestyle they want to live. I've met uh, working in the shelters. I've met a handful of people that that was their mentality and, and they had a valid reason. They said, you know what? I'm tired of the bills. I'm done with the responsibility. I've become accustomed to living on the streets. I know how to survive it. I know how to eat. I know how to take care of myself in this manner. I ain't got to pay rent. I don't have to worry about a car payment. I don't have to worry about the IRS after me. I ain't worried about taxes. I ain't worried about any of that stuff. I just want to live on these streets and survive. Now, did that perspective blow me away at that time? Oh, yeah, I was a young cat. And it still blows me away at times when I think about it, that this is a, a decision that someone made and this is what they want. Because it's so far from the norm. That's not the norm. The norm is to work hard, get your education, work harder, make a lot of money, retire, and live the good life. In the meantime, you get all the stuff that you want and you desire, and you live a good life. But for the small percentage that I've worked with, that was their mentality, that they would rather be homeless. They wanted to be homeless. But I say all that to say this. For the most part, no one is asking to be homeless. Nobody desires that position in life. Nobody goes home after a hard day of work and says, you know what? Work was so stressful today. I, I wish I was homeless. I, I'd rather be homeless than to go back to work. There's very few people saying that. So to find out that... uh there are a lot of educators, there are a lot of, of our military veterans being, are, that are homeless. That's disturbing to me. You know, I remember having a good relationship with this guy who was an ex-banker, big time. Came from buku of money. But he was homeless because he was uh, he let his alcoholism get the best of him. It took over. And there was no amount of money that was uh, saving him at that point. And that just goes to show that, you know, he was educated. He had all the resources. He had all the money. He knew how to spend money. He knew how to make money. He knew what to do with his money. But that ultimately did not save him from being homeless. What if we took the time to say, hey, how are you doing? And then we don't say anything else. We just let them speak. And this is now back to anybody, anybody. We just listened. And then as we're listening, we're, we're trying to, instead of judging, instead of saying, you know what, whatever, this is still your fault. Instead of breaking down their story and, and figuring out where they went wrong or where they misstepped or what they could have done differently if we're just listening to their story in the present and we're putting ourselves in their shoes. 
then you you are in a position now where you can say, you know what, brother, I've never been through what you've been through, but I, I can see now what you're going through. I understand what you may be feeling. I understand how you may feel trapped. I understand how you're trapped in this vicious cycle and you don't know how to get out of it. I can see it now. I put myself in your shoes and I, I can understand how it's not easy to get a job when you're homeless. I never looked at it like that before. You don't have a phone number to call because you don't have a phone. You don't have a steady job to help pay those little bills. What are you gonna wear? You've been wearing the same clothes for the last month. What are you gonna wear? You haven't been able to shower regularly for the last month. You can't afford a haircut. I understand how it would be embarrassing for you and you would already feel defeated going into this interview the way you are. Because what are these interviews based off of? Your first impression. Your first impression is your appearance. I can understand why you wouldn't go into an interview knowing that they're going to look at you and judge you knowing that you're not gonna get a fair shake at it. Knowing that you don't have the work history to back your expertise that you may have. I can understand going into that interview anyway and feeling rejected and, and then you finally get rejected right away. And then you have to go through that over and over again. See, that's empathy. See, I understand now. I understand why you're in this cycle. I understand why you don't have a job right now. I understand why it, it really hurts your feelings when people call you a bum and tell you to get a job, to pick yourself up by the bootstrap. Maybe you have picked yourself up by the bootstrap 15 times, but 15 times you've been knocked back down. Now you're out on the streets and you're thinking that this is your destiny. This is all that is left for you. That's empathy. That's what it looks like. But we have put sympathy up on a pedestal because it's easy. You know, going through that whole same scenario. Backtracking to the beginning of the conversation. Hey, how are you doing? Well, you know, I've been out on the streets. You know what? I get it, man. You've been homeless for a while. I'm sorry that you're having to go through this. Okay, I'm late for my job. Um, I'm running late, so I'll catch you later, okay? That's sympathy. And that's what we do all the time. It's become acceptable. And then we've had the nerve to say, oh, well, I'm empathetic. I said, sorry. I, I said, sorry for his situation. I said, sorry for your loss. 
I'm an empathetic person. And now we've convinced it started with one friend, then it started, then it leaked into a group of friends and now it's leaked into a, a group of people. And it's just spread like wildfire. That sympathy is the new empathy because it's easier and it makes us feel good. We already know that if someone is an empathetic person, they're looked at a little differently. We're like, man, how do you do it? How, how are you able to do this? You have to be so patient and kind. We all want to feel that way. But we want to cut corners and take the easy route. We want to take the easy way. We want to get credit for saying, hey, man, sorry for your loss. And that's good enough now. That's trying to take the place of empathy, but I'm just not going to let it happen because that's false. I'm not going to let that slide anymore. It kind of reminds me of the high school project that you had. You had a group of four people and there's always one person that takes the lead. It's usually the overzealous high school, uh, the high school girl taking the lead, telling everybody what to do, what their positions are going to be. Uh, and then you had another one, the high school homecoming king, breaking down exactly how much everybody's going to do so it's equal. But really, when you break it down, he had probably about 10% of the work and everybody else had to split the other 90 equally. And then you have the person that's just chilling, saying, you know what, I don't care. I'll just do whatever. You just give me what you need. Uh, you you just tell me what you need me to do and I'm going to do it. Then the fourth wheel, you, you're, they're trying to figure out how to get out of everything. They're sitting there talking the talk saying, yeah, 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 I'll, that's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. You can count on me. I got it. But really, deep in their hearts, they're thinking, how can I get out of this? I mean, there's three people, so really they should be able to do, you know, 33% of the work each and then it'll be all good and then I'll just do 1%. But I, I'm going to even try to get out of that 1%. So we should be good. These guys that I'm with, they're all smart. They can they can handle that. So if I slack a little bit, that should be fine. That should be fine if I slack a little bit. It's not hurting anybody. It reminds, that's what sympathy reminds me of. All of a sudden you turn in your grade, everybody gets an A on it, and then you get an A, and then that causes a lot of a lot of dissension amongst the group. Now, the three people have decided to go against you and say, you know what, this A that so-and-so got, this A that Mike got from slacking, I'm not gonna let that fly. I don't feel good about that. He didn't turn in any of his part. We had to pick up the slack for his part. He didn't even do the 1%. He didn't even do the 1% that we asked him to do. And yet he got an A without doing anything. So the three gather together, they go back and tell the teacher, they show their proof and their documentation of how I didn't help out at all. I just got a free ride. And what does the teacher do? The teacher has a decision to make. Either they keep the grade as is, or they say, Mike, we have to have a talk. 
They decide the latter and say, Mike, we have to have a talk. Just exactly how much did you contribute to this group? I'm going to lie and said, I did my part. I did, you know, my 25% of the work. Actually, I did a little bit more because I helped everybody a little bit on their part. Blah, 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 right? Teacher sees through the lies because she has the documentation. And now what do I get? An F. Now, if I do my part over again, I can work that up to a C or a B. Now I have a decision to make. Am I going to take this F or I'm going? am I going to redo the work? But now I've been caught. I've been told the truth. I cannot lie about <laughs> doing nothing and receiving an A. That's how I feel about sympathy. I'm not going to sit there and sugarcoat this and lie and say that you being sympathetic is good enough and that's on the same level as empathy is not. It's not. Sympathy, you don't have to listen to anybody. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is say, I'm sorry. Sorry for your loss. Man, that's just too bad that you're going through that. That's very unfortunate that you that that this happened to you. You know, that's what we're going through with that. And I'm not going to let that pass as empathy anymore. We lack empathy in this world, and that is why we don't see a lot of change happening. That's why we don't see a lot of change happening in uh, the field of psychology. Because we've lost touch with what therapy truly is. We've lost touch with it. Therapy is talk therapy. The therapist has greater resources, greater education. Doesn't mean that they're any better. It just means that they have practiced the skill and the art of listening, which should be the case. But everyone that has a license as a therapist isn't necessarily a great listener. Because for some reason, uh, when I think back to all the classes, I mean, when I think back into all the psychology classes I've taken, not once did I ever learn how to give advice. But for some reason, we've, we've made it into that, how to give great advice. And that's not what therapy is all about. Therapy is about listening, and it's about building a relationship. And we're going to touch on that in the next episode. We've lost sight on the basics. And when you look at empathy, it, it, those two things are necessary. Those two things are necessary in order to be 
empathetic and it's also necessary in order to be a productive therapist. And there's the other side of therapy that is more the uh, academia and the uh, the research part of it. You know, with that, people have become skewed with that because now people just want the accolades and the recognition. So what do you do? You skew the data because you don't want to be wrong. Um, you write some kind of report that may not be totally true because you don't want to be wrong, but you want to impress your colleagues and your peers who are reviewing your work. So it could be peer reviewed and it could be known nationally and you can receive all the accolades from it. Once again, I'm not saying that's everybody's motive. I know it's not. I'm just speaking in general. But this is the world that we are living in now. It's, it's a selfish, selfish world. It truly is. And as freshwater warriors, we have to do our part to break this. And we do that by becoming empathetic. And there is a level of selflessness that is involved with being empathetic. Think about someone that you know that is an empathetic person. And now, name that person in your head. Say their name in your head. Or if you're alone or whatever, wherever you're at, say their name out loud. Say their name now and think about them. Now I want you to take a step, take it a step further and say to yourself or think to yourself, are they a selfish person? Is this person that I am saying is empathetic? Are they selfish? Chances are you're going to say, no, they're not selfish. Why? Because to be empathetic, there is a level of selflessness that is involved. There are a lot of people that are sympathetic that aren't selfish, but it's easy to be selfish and sympathetic. You know why? Because it goes back to initially how this whole thing started, because you feel you don't have the time. You feel like you don't have the time for it. So it's easy to be sympathetic and say, well, at least I said something. At least I did something. I showed I cared because I gave a half-hearted, uh, I'm sorry. Because we feel like we don't have the time. You see how this thing all connects? <laughs> it's all in a spinning circle, all of these things. And if, if you do not correct one of these things, you're just going to be spinning and spinning and spinning. We're going to get the same results. We are going to get the same results over and over. And some people care and some people don't care. Some people don't care if they're spinning and spinning. Some people don't want different results. Some people are fine where they're at. But the fact of the matter is, is if we truly want change, then we are going to have to start doing things differently. We are going to have to get outside of ourselves. We're going to have to look in the mirror. We're going to have to become more selfless. We're going to have to put others before us. We're going to have to take the time. We can't have any of these excuses about making time. 
to build these relationships, to build these bonds, to have these conversations. Sometimes I want to get petty and say, you know what, if you don't have the time, then I don't have the time for you. So when you come needing me uh, for something to help you fix something, then I'm, I'm not going to have the time. I'm just going to keep my feet up on my desk, going to look at you, and I'll say I'll be there when I get there and never show up. That's sometimes how I feel. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. Sometimes I feel like that. But then I have to take a quick look in the mirror and say, you know what, okay, I know that's what I want to do, and I know that's not right. <laughs> I know that's not right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a few seconds to collect my thoughts. I'm going to get my mind right, and then I'm going to go handle this problem. And I'm going to do it the right way. Even though in my mind I'm thinking, oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> We have to take the time. So if you if you have not gotten anything from this, we have to become more empathetic and it's easy. All we have to do is care enough to ask and then we have to care enough to listen. And as we're listening, we have to care enough to hear a different perspective and to see it from their point of view, putting yourself in their shoes. Being empathetic, there's minimal talking going on. You don't have to talk. All you have to do is listen. Which sounds easy, but it's very, very difficult to do. Why? Because the world says that we should be given advice. That we should be right and we should be given advice. Or we should be judging and breaking down their story and telling them where they went wrong and how they can fix it. That's why listening is so difficult. We get in our own way, point blank. That's what we're doing. We're getting in our own way. Our egos, our selfishness gets in our own way. But that, in my perspective, is why we have not changed. And that is why change is almost impossible at times. Not enough empathy going around. But you know who remains empathetic? You freshwater warriors. And I'm telling you, you guys are a rare breed. You guys are a diamond in the rough. You guys, you know, I described one of my good friends as a lotus in a swamp. He is truly, truly a rare breed. And my brother, Nate, man, he is truly a rare breed, and he's been on the podcast uh, a, a couple of times, and he's going to be on the podcast for this season again. But I was describing him as a lotus in a swamp. Very few people ever see the lotus in its true habitat. Why? Because it's in the nasty swamp. Nobody wants to traverse through that. And who would ever think that uh, such a beautiful flower would grow in such a wild environment? But that's what all of you are. All you freshwater warriors, you guys are lotus, lotus flowers, blooming in the swamp, bringing some beauty in an area that is deemed one of the ugliest places on earth. 
Nobody wants to live in a swamp. Nobody wants to talk about the swamp. Say the word swamp to someone and see won't their faces scrunch up in disgust. <laughs> you know, but you guys are bringing that beauty into the swamp. You guys are being the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. It's the same thing. And so I tell you, because of your empathetic spirits, your empathetic hearts, it's impacting a lot of people. And I encourage you to keep doing it. Remain empathetic. Remain on the path. Do not listen to, to people when they say that you're foolish for caring so much. You are on the right path. You are on the right path. You freshwater warriors are a rare breed, and that is fine. That's awesome. You guys are cut from a different cloth. Oops, sorry about that. You guys are cut from a different cloth. Stay that way. Stay that way. I want to thank you all for joining me. I want to thank you all for keeping your hearts open. Remember, guys, that if you like what you hear, even if you don't like what you hear, share it with your friends and your family. <laughs> share it with your friends and your family. Remember, we're in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember to be the fresh water that heals in the salty environment. Until we meet again, my friends. <laughs>